At long last, I am able to say a few words of my own. Read my lips. Government is not the solution to our problem. Senator, good morning again in America. Well, look, Big Bird. Yes, we did. Government is the problem. Welcome, everybody, to a liberal and a conservative walk into a bar. My name is Matt, and I'm a liberal. My name is Tim. I'm conservative. Thank you so much for joining us. Check out our website at libcon.podbean.com. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at Libcon Matt. Tim is at Libcon Tim. We're in the iTunes store. We're in the Google store. We're on Stitcher. Buy Tim's book on Amazon. It's called Things I Want. And check out the trailer for my production company's new film. It's at sphereofinfluencemovie.com. Uh, don't take candy from strangers and look both ways before crossing the street. Uh... Last night was debate night, y'all. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, we're going to introduce you to Evan McMullen because I don't what? think anyone knows who he is. He's, he's this other dude that's running for president. And there's been a little, it's some interesting newsy things going on lately. Uh, and we, yeah, we're going to, we're going to, we promise we're going to do the NATO and Syria and Russia and all that fun stuff. Tonight. It will this happen. This is the third time's a charm. I swear to God. And for God's sake, if you know someone in Wyoming or Nebraska, get on it, people. You're not doing your jobs. How are you, friend? I'm good. I'm excited to talk about Evan. Are you? Yeah, I think Evan's an interesting guy. That uh, you know, I, I I did my I did my research on Evan. I think it's gonna be cool. Yeah. Uh, inspired. Yeah. So, but we'll 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 in all all in due course. Uh, did you watch the debate? I did. I I had the surreal experience uh, of watching the debate with a fellow Republican. Uh, I don't have. Too many Republican close friends, um, just like I don't have too many Catholic close friends. So, um, but I, I got to enjoy watching it with one and found myself arguing with him throughout most of it. So I caught some of the debate. <laughs> there was a lot of, there was, there was, there was close to shouting a couple of times. So what were, what were, what were y'all, this, what, what, what in there last night was there for Republicans to fight over? Uh, well, I'm curious. They, well, and is the, actually the the first question I would ask is what is, is this guy supporting Trump? No, he's a he's a McMullen. Now, okay. without McMullen, he would probably be voting for Trump. Um, with, without the McMullen option, uh, reluctantly. I mean, he's he for him uh, the pro life factor is is huge. Uh, which I mean, it's huge for me, but but it is. It is but enough the for him for Trump is a lie to put him it's over. A lie. I, I tend to agree, but he 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 sees the uh, the Supreme Court justices that Trump has put forth, and he's big on the idea that Trump has put together this pro life advisory board, um, and and what we ended up fighting over most of the time was just that he has just an intense dislike of Hillary Clinton, uh, and. Yeah, I mean, he, he, I mean, pretty much any time she, she opened her mouth, he was muttering about her being a liar or, the, you know, she's so full of crap or watch her tiptoe or things of this nature. And, and that's what most of our fighting was about. So, well, she did some tiptoeing. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lie. She, she, she tiptoed in there. Well, I mean, sure. She, I mean, I guess, yeah, she tiptoed some, but not. I don't know. Yeah, I, that that. So our fighting was not two Republicans debating Republican policy. It was the, this Republican in general defending Hillary Clinton, uh, which which I'm not ashamed of. I, as I told him, and as I have said multiple times, I I think Hillary is a competent center left politician. 
There you go. Yeah, just some of the, some some of the absolute hatred of Hillary. I I, I don't understand that at all. Uh, hatred of Trump, I get. Hated uh, hatred of Hillary. I, I don't really understand because it seems so. It just seems so manufactured. I guess you know because this is this is a woman who not three who three years ago had the kind of Mother Teresa approval ratings that like Colin Powell had at one point. And it's almost and and it, it's amazing to me to see how Republicans the Republican groundwork was laid to smear her to get this to a close election. Now she has she's done a few things that haven't helped her. Uh you know, where she's kind of stepped on her own toes, but nothing to the way that Trump descent has a tendency to not just step on his own toes, but to smash his own toes with a sledgehammer. So, you know, I, I don't know that, that, that angle of it blows me away sometimes. Well, they, you know, it's the sort of thing that, you know, the nine month, uh, the comments that Trump was making about, you know, she would advocate ripping the baby out of the womb at nine months, you know, that, that sort of commentary that I listen to and go, that's, and I feel that he is vastly distorting, I mean, vastly yeah. distorting what her policy is on late-term abortions. You know, so well, I mean, obviously, I disagree with her, but I don't think that she is in any way, shape, or form advocating this ripping out of the child at nine months. Uh, because, because at no time is that necessary, right? At no, at no time is it necessary to in the life of the child at nine months. Uh, and, and she tried to highlight that. She tried to point that out. Uh, but no one on the pro-life side is really listening to her. Um, yeah, but that, that, that little, sort of, they're a little bit blinded. I think that sort of rhetoric is they are the, the, because that sort of rhetoric. And that's why I think like we had that conversation last week about how Trump, you know, you, uh, you sort of saw Trump as a result of, of, uh, you know, the Republican party being a result of Trump, whereas I think Trump is a result of the Republican party. I think it's the other way around. And a lot, because unfortunately a lot of the rhetoric that I hear, hear out of Trump on the pro-life stuff, for example, that is the same kind of stuff that I've been hearing from the extreme pro-life movement my entire life. Uh, yeah. you know, and, and it's the baby killer and all liberals are baby killers and blah, 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 which couldn't be further from the truth. And frankly, I'm offended by uh, you know, um, and like last night there was an exchange of, uh, there was an exchange where Van Jones on CNN was, was highlighting the fact that Trump just has this basic disregard for, uh, any, for, um, other people that, you know, of, of various races and creeds and, and, and of the opposite sex. And it's a, it is a, it is a, it, it is he was calling it something, something to the effect of saying that it was a, it was a, a disdain for life. And of course, one of the Trump supporters comes back and goes, well, but it's okay to kill babies. Right. And it's like, you know, you guys don't have the moral high ground on that. You just don't. And that's not even the same thing. You can't compare the two. You just can't. Um, and, it, well, and, it I think- and that sort of thing doesn't, doesn't help the, it doesn't help the discourse at all. Well, I, I mean, I, I would agree that it doesn't help the discourse. I, I think you can compare, uh, but you, I mean, you have to take you have to take everything in, into consideration. Our, our, our bishop here in Lexington had a very nice article about the difference between being anti-abortion and being pro-life, 
you know, if you're going to be pro-life, you have to look at all the factors that this entails, uh, from standing up against racism to fighting for the environment, uh, to fighting for taking care of the poor, you know, those are pro-life stances, uh, as well. Yeah, they are. Yeah. And you, you can't just be anti-abortion. Now, obviously abortion trumps, meh, uh, any, any of those for us, abortion trumps any of those issues taken singly, right? You put abortion up against racist, abortion trumps it. You put abortion up against uh, fighting for the poor, abortion trumps it. But taken as a whole, uh, I, I don't think that it does. And we see that with Trump. Okay, on the debate, I the things that I thought about this, one, I thought this was the best debate of the three, easily. Uh, mm-hmm. They, uh, Chris Wallace did a marvelous job. Uh, they talked more policy in this debate, at least early on, than they did in any others. They got into some very specific stuff. Uh, Trump is not coherent. After about 45 minutes, he still starts to lose it. So this whole stamina argument cracks me up from him because he, he can't hold it together for 90 minutes to do a debate. He just can't. Um, not anymore. Uh, I thought there were a lot of moments where somebody who is a better politician would have absolutely nailed her to the wall. Uh, it really amused me when they, when Chris Wallace asked her a, a totally valid question, cornered her on the $250,000, uh, Haiti thing. And, uh, um, the pay for play deal. And she pivoted out of that by talking about how the Clinton found how great the Clinton foundation is. And then all of a sudden everybody started yelling and then it was like, it just went away. Mm-hmm. So I thought everybody, because Wallace really still could have nailed her to the wall on that and he didn't do it. Neither did Trump. So forget it. Uh, now I then, will. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. Let me get this one, this one other thing out. There was the moment where, uh, she was asked about uh, the open borders WikiLeaks thing, which I liked her response to that, frankly. I thought she got it right. But she did pivot immediately over from that into Russia and their involvement in WikiLeaks. And Trump even called her out on it and goes, there's the pivot. He tried to pull up Chris Christie and went, well, that was a great pivot off that. I guess we don't have to talk about it, so we'll talk about Russia now. But instead of turning around and trying to pin her back down on the on on the speech, he pivoted right into Russia and fell right into her trap. And that was where we got the I know you are, but what am I? Or I know I am, but what are you? You know, sort of no, you're the puppet thing. Which again, he took the bait. So now, what was her response to open borders? That what she was talking about was not in immigration policy and open borders meant more like uh, from a standpoint of uh, better trade uh, and specifically an open power grid um, where things like energy can be uh, traded across borders, Mm. Um, which I thought was a fascinating idea. I've never actually heard a whole lot about it. Um, I thought it was a really interesting thing. And she said that that was what the conversation was about. Uh, if you read the entire speech. Um, yeah, it is interesting for me that the, the lot of, some of the WikiLeaks stuff about, you know, oh, look, she said open borders or, oh, look, she's more uh, open to free trade or, oh, look, she's not as opposed to Wall Street as she makes it sound. 
it is encouraging for me. And it's really uh, not that big a deal. It's typical it's stuff. For, I, yeah. yeah. Where I, I, and that should be, that sort of thing should be encouraging to Republicans. Um, and, and sadly it's, it's not unless you're a McMullen type of Republican. Uh, and it, the only people it would, should seem scary to are Bernie Sanders ask Democrats who, they ain't voting for Trump. <laughs> so yeah, I know uh, that's not, you know, like that's not going to do anything really. I don't think, um, but and they're not going to, they're not going to vote for McMullen and they, and just because Gary Johnson smokes weed doesn't mean they have anything in common with the man. This is true also. And I mean, he's just shot himself in the foot anyway. Uh, oh, yeah. but what, what was the, what was the first thing I was getting ready to jump in on you and now I've, and now I've lost it. What was the first thing you were talking about? The, the Haiti, the pay for play, the 250 grand that went. Okay. Yeah. I, that was the one moment where I, I didn't like the way Wallace phrased it because I felt like, I felt like he was a little misleading there and he laid out the ABC article on the emails and Haiti as much more substantial than they seem to be. Uh, according to the very various fact checkers, um, you know, there, there hasn't been this clear link established between, uh, you know, a person coming to her and saying, I want this done. And then that being done, there have been links to people asking, but then those things didn't happen. So I, I don't see, or they've been, this I don't the, think there's this pay, there's there, there's a pay to play factor in there. I, I yeah. just don't think that's there. Well, and where I see them pointing out about a pay to play factor or some kind of pay to play thing is is they'll they'll point to they pointed to this big long list of emails of people who are friends of the Clinton Foundation, donors of the Clinton Foundation, emailing Huma Abedin and even John Podesta or maybe not Podesta, Huma Abedin and some other people. Hey, I want to give money should I, what what do I do? Basically, basically emailing Clintons. They're they're friends of the Clintons, and they want to help. So they email the Clintons or the Clintons people saying, "Hey, I want to help. How do I do that?" And in most cases, they're going, "You know what? Just donate to the foundation because we're redirecting all our stuff there." And I don't see a problem with that. That's that 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 seems like yeah. again that seems like normal operations. You've got people that you know with money. You run a foundation that donates to a cause. So, uh, you know, I, I don't say, I don't see a problem or any, even any violation in what she told the Senate about keeping the Clinton foundation separate from her work in state when somebody that they have no control over calls and says, Hey, can I, can I send money to you and you take care of this? And they go, no, 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 no. Send it over here. That seems to be well within the limits. They don't have control mm-hmm. over who asks them questions. Yeah. You know, it, uh, I, and I don't, I don't see how there's anything to hide in that. It, I don't, yeah, it, I, I, I really, I, I really don't either. And I felt like Wallace presented it as if you know the same way that people have presented things to Trump as this is fact. You know, what do you say to this? And they presented that thing as if this is fact. This is what happened. When it, it's much more nuanced than that. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I mean, as far as other thoughts on the debate goes, I mean, it was, it was more, it was a lot, it was a lot more of the same. I think it's pretty clear. There's not really, there's obviously no love lost between these two, uh, uh, you know, and, and I don't know how comfortable I am with that, but he's, he has just gone over overboard and over the line. 
in the last two weeks. And I think that that culminated in what everybody is now talking about of, of whether or not he's going to accept the results. He backtracked on that just in, just a hair today, but not really. And all of his little people are out there trying to compare this to Gore uh, in 2000, which is the biggest load of crap um, that I've ever seen. And, and as though this is no big deal and just the normal course of business. To me, this isn't the normal course of business. Now, I, I, I think there there is a line where them some of this is his people going, well, we think we're going to win, so we're not going to worry about what happens if we lose. That I accept because that's normal. After, after watching that Rubio chick back in uh, February or March or whoever, whenever it was when they were voting in Florida, and Anderson asked her over and over again, what are you going to do if you lose? And she just kept saying, we're not, we're going to win. Uh you know, I, I understand that angle of it, but he could make this go away. He's acting and they're all acting as though the media is blowing this out of proportion. He keeps talking about it and he's the one that won't say it. All he had to do last night was say, you know what? Yeah, totally. I'll accept, I'll accept the results. No problem. Done. Let's move on. And he didn't do that. (laughs) So this is his own damn fault. And I, I do think that this is gonna, you know, because they like, I've, I've seen, multiple times different on different news stations uh, reporters going out to Trump rallies and talking to their supporters and the supporters are all angry and hollering and screaming at Hillary and, and blah, 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 blah. In this case, every single one of them that I saw turned around and said, Oh no, if he loses, then he loses. He needs to accept it. So Mm -hmm. I don't know that this is really even gaining all that much traction with his supporters. Uh, I hope not. I hope not. Yeah. And it is, I mean, this is twice in a row, two debates in a row now where he has questioned some of the fundamental aspects of our democracy and and the peaceful transfer of power, whether it was threatening if he won to put Hillary in jail uh, or now if he loses to refuse to accept the, um, refuse to accept the results. Uh, I, have you? I don't understand all of the rigged election fraud stuff. Has he? Has he presented proof? No. And I've just missed it. No, there's no proof. But this is how he's talking. I've I've got this. This is going to take a second, but I'm, I'm going to read you. I'm going to read you. I I actually sat down to transcribe this so I could read it because it was in a speech that I caught after we did the show last week. Um, but this is this is directly from his mouth. This is not simply another election. This is a crossroads in the history of our civilization. Hillary Clinton meets in secret with international banks to plot the destruction of U.S. sovereignty in order to enrich these global financial powers, her special interest friends, and her donors. This is a struggle for the survival of our nation, and this will be our last chance to save it. This election will determine whether we're a free nation or whether we have only the illusion of democracy and are in fact controlled by a handful of global special interests rigging the system. I am not making any of this up. They will attack you. They will slander you. They will seek to destroy your career and your family. They will seek to destroy everything about you, including your reputation. They will lie, and then they will do worse than that. They will do whatever's necessary. The Clintons are criminals. They're criminals. This is a well-documented 
and established, and this is well documented in the establishment that protects them, has engaged in a massive cover-up. I take all of these slings and arrows gladly for you. I take all of them for our movement so that we can have our country back. Our great civilization here in America and across the world has come upon a moment of reckoning. I knew these false attacks would come. I knew this day would arise. This is a conspiracy against you, the American people, and we cannot let this continue to happen. Okay, so no, these are all the cases of voter fraud that have occurred no, and that are occurring. Yeah. Not a one. This is this is this is tinfoil shit. This is this is straight out of this is this is written. First of all, that's far too coherent for Trump to have come up with that off at the top of his head because the man's not that well thought out. That that was written by Breitbart. I can almost tell you that exclusively. But it is the kind of it, it is the kind of crap that I cannot believe that any right thinking person and i know that i know really intelligent awesome people that believe this shit coming from donald freaking trump and it's it's insane this is not american this is not america i mean if they want to see rigged elections we'll show you rigged elections look at russia look at ecuador those are rigged elections you can't rig them. I mean, I've, I've read, if you go Google, go Google election, rigged elections right now. You won't come up with, and what you will come up with is a bunch of people calling bullshit on it because you can't rig our elections. You just can't. I mean, we were all griping after 2000 about, you know, why is the equipment not up today? Why are things not centralized? You know, one of the reasons why they're not is because that makes them almost impossible to rig. Things vary so much from state to state to county to county, held to precinct to precinct in some cases, that what works in, on, in one library doesn't work in the same library 10 miles away. Mm-hmm. You just can't do it. Now, there are going to be, there have been a few stray cases of voter fraud in the last like 10 or 15 years. But if there's so few, it's not even worth mentioning. That's why all the voter ID nonsense that Republicans were trying to push for years was ridiculous. Yeah. I think I read that stat. It was something, uh, something along the lines of up to 226 um, uh, cases of alleged voter fraud. Only 10 of those cases uh, would voter ID laws have had any effect on. Yeah, uh, of preventing. So it's, yeah, it, it's it, it it it's stunning to me. It is just absolutely stunning. And then to chase all of this bullshit with, I don't know if I'll accept the results of the election. That's why it's scary. And again, the press didn't do this. The liberals didn't do this. This was all him. Just the idea that it even had to be asked during a debate. Hmm. You know, I mean, one of his surrogates was saying, well, you know what? If someone had asked Don, Al Gore or George Bush, they they would surely have said something similar. And you know what? The fact of the matter is, is that it was it was it's 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 not even something anyone would have thought to ask because Al Gore and George W. Bush were better than that. Yeah. And, and no, Al Gore accepted it. He did. Yeah. He did. And, you know, he had reason to say, you know what, let's let the recount process, which were automatic recounts triggered by the state of Florida to say, let's let this play out. He and the Bush people were constantly in touch. His people and the Bush people were constantly talking. Not maybe not always civilly, but they were always at least in contact to try to work the thing out. And eventually the system sorted itself out. And, you know, 
even now when Gore talks about it, he only talks about it in the context of going, you know what? We were this close and every vote counts. That's the context that he talks about it now. He doesn't run around telling people that he should have been president. Yeah, that he got robbed. No. Which he Uh, did, but it was by the Electoral College, not by not by rigging of the election. Yeah, yeah, it was by the by the fact that the electoral college is a little jacked up, and the the Supreme Court ruling is maybe a little on the suspect side. In some cases, there are a lot of people that don't like that ruling, but but either way, that's the system. We allowed the process to play out all the way to the top, and that was the decision we came to. And everybody said, "All right, we're done." Yep. And that's the way it has to be. So. Unless you have something, which if, 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 if we're in a similar situation on November 9th, hey, you know what? Fine, you're right. Then you don't need to concede. But if you got your ass handed to you and you get up and give a speech about how you should really be the president, then you are then you have undermined the process and you're a horrible person. Well, hopefully we will be in a similar situation because of the great Evan McMullen. Word. We've talked about this enough. So we're going to move on to Evan McMullen who, as some of you may or may not be aware, is actually running for president. So, quick facts about Evan McMullen. He is 42 years old, so he is really quite young, younger than President Obama was. Uh, he's an Aries. He's a <laughs> uh, he is a former CIA officer, a former chief policy officer to the House Republican Conference. I don't actually even know what that means or what that means he would have done, but that's that was his job. Uh, he was chosen um, as part of the Never Trump movement in the Republican Party, uh, specifically the Better for America group, which I think is a super PAC, but I'm not sure. Uh, Bill Crystal and John Kingston are two uh, sort of Republican heavy hitters uh, for the last several, uh, a couple of decades, I think. And, and they, they were uh, instrumental in choosing him to be the leader of this. Um his running mate's name is Mindy Finn. I know absolutely nothing about her. Uh, he's on the ballot in 11 states right now and uh, can be written in in all states. Uh, one of those states is Kentucky, where Tim lives. So Tim has the opportunity to vote for him. Yes, I do. And I will. Uh, I, you know, looking at it from a policy standpoint, in a lot of ways, I think in most ways, he seems to be a pretty by the numbers conservative. Um, with a few notable exceptions. Well, a by the numbers, real conservative. Well, okay. I hate that because now all of a sudden it's like I'm calling the other side rhinos. But like, I mean, he is conservative well, in the way that I think of conservatism. When I think of the reasons why I'm a Republican, well, I'm a conservative. He he is a conservative for those reasons. Yeah. Um, and those reasons being, you know, for the most part, he's he is he is pro life. Uh, he's very pro free trade. He's very pro military. Uh, he is the only pro TPP candidate on the ballot. Yep. With the exception uh, of maybe Johnson. Johnson might be pro TPP. I'm not sure. Is he? I don't. I don't know. Actually, that's that would be an interesting thing to look up, but I haven't done it. Um, where McMullen stands right now in the race, he is by at least one poll ahead by two points in the state of Utah. Uh. And some, but he is pulling a massive chunk of the vote in Utah right now, big enough that either he can take it, Trump can take it, or frankly, Hillary, Utah could theoretically go to Hillary, uh, which would be interesting um, because I don't know the last time a Democrat took Utah. Um, so 
I, you know, he does bring an interesting angle to the race. Now, does that mean that he can win? The answer to that is theoretically, yes. The reason being, and this was this was put forward by 538, and then the Washington Post had a, some interesting rebuttal to that, but the, the theory goes that in order to be a part of any second ballot in the, in the House of Representatives, if neither Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump got a majority of, got to 270, if neither of them got to a, a majority of the vote in the Electoral College, then the vote would then go to the House of Representatives. If McMullen wins one state, then he is able to be on that ballot, a part of that deal. And also him winning that one state would keep the Electoral College from either of them, could theoretically keep either of them from being a part of the Electoral College. And then McMullen could be elected by the House. Now, this is what the Washington Post pointed out, which is that if that has to have, if that is to happen, then that means that Trump has to win Ohio. Trump doesn't win Ohio, then it's almost then it, then it, it is theoretically impossible for this split vote to happen because if Hillary gets Ohio, we're done. So, but if Trump gets Ohio, then that would mean that Ohio gets Republican electors. If all of the Republican electors decided to vote for John Kasich, which as Ohio Republicans they might well do, then theoretically John Kasich could be president. This is all fun to talk about. Not likely, but it is fun to talk about. Well, the big thing here is that we have another option. There we is do have another option. It is no longer, you know, Gary Johnson who is apparently a little ignorant when it comes to foreign policy uh, and, and not, you know, and, and not yeah, a lot, maybe, um, and, and not, uh, certainly not a stereotypical Republican. He's not even pro-life. Um, whereas now we have Evan McMullen, who I am horribly sad that I dismissed him when it, when he was first announced, um, because he is, he is a dyed in the wool, Conservative. Uh, he pushes things like cutting the corporate tax rate, which I believe in strongly. Uh, he has a clear, direct problem test uh, that all current and new regulations have to pass uh, on education. He is pro charter schools, pro vouchers, and pro merit based pay, as well as higher pay for teachers. Uh, he is spot on when he critiques uh, Hillary Clinton's solution to rising tuition for colleges. Um, he says by handling, handing out more loans, grants, and credits in response to rising tuition, the federal government signals to universities that Washington will pick up the tab for runaway cost growth. Um, when it comes to healthcare, he is exactly the same ideas that I've always had for how we can create a pro-market health reform. He wants to keep the positive aspects of Obamacare, like uh, uh, the pre-existing condition stuff, while at the same time he stresses that we can, we have to give everyone, not just those who fall on a certain means level, we have to give everyone a tax credit uh, to help them pay for their insurance uh, who don't already get through an employer. Uh, he stresses the importance of uh, health savings accounts, purchasing across state lines, and one of the great things that he does, because the biggest one of the biggest issues with Obamacare is the sheer number of regulations and the long list of everything that insurances must cover. Right. And this is one of the things that leads to the skyrocketing costs. His 
idea is to instead have buffet style plans where basically there's, you know, just all this stuff that you can get covered and people are allowed to just pick and choose what they want. Um, he takes entitlements head on. Uh, I, you know, he doesn't, I didn't see any direct things about social security, but he gives solid ideas for how to handle Medicare and how to handle Medicaid. Uh, he has a great idea for handling poverty in the form of wage supplements. So you work for X number of hours and we're just going to increase your pay. So the more you work, the more money you make. So it gets rid of the, the disincitations, disincentivizing aspects of the welfare programs. Finally, we have someone who is legitimately pro-globalization. He supports the TPP and he indicates that automation, not free trade, correctly indicates that automation, not free trade, is the primary driver of the decrease in manufacturing jobs. Um, when it comes yep. to law enforcement, uh, he stresses the importance of training and community outreach, not stop and frisk. Plus, he pushes for reducing man mandatory sentences, cutting down on the number of things that are counted as uh, federal offenses, especially in regards to drugs and nonviolent crimes, as well as empowering judges to use options other than prisons. I mean, he is fantastic from a policy standpoint. Okay. Um why why okay so if this is the real republican that you wish was running against hillary clinton why is he better than her tell me on that tell, tell me tell me why this guy uh, just for all the reasons that you stated and that you just went over that's why he's the better candidate between the two mm -hmm. uh so he's better than hillary clinton really i mean primarily for me just his overall view of the role that government should play Hillary Clinton is, she wants to fiddle. She wants to increase regulation. She wants the government to get more and more involved with things. Whereas Evan wants to decrease the government's role. Oh, he's Evan uh, now. Yeah, we're friends. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's the main thing. And he doesn't shy away from, he, he acknowledges with the national debt, he doesn't shy away from the role that entitlements play on that. He says clearly and plainly, the entitlement system is broken and it must be reformed. And the why situation. Do call, why, why do people insist on calling them entitlements? They're not entitlements. No, that's exactly what the they're. welfare system is not an entitlement. entitlement not the welfare system. That's not the welfare system. We're talking about Social Security, Medicare and Medicaid. Well, why is Medicare? Why are Medicare and Medicaid entitlements? Medicare, uh, to a certain extent, those are there to assist people who have otherwise have trouble getting health insurance. Well, Medicaid, I mean, Medicaid is both is both right. It's both used to tackle poverty issues as well as is a form of entitlement. It's an entitlement in the sense that once you reach a certain age, you are guaranteed. The government guarantees this. They guarantee this coverage, uh, and it's the same with Social Security. We are guaranteeing this. That's why it's considered an entitlement. And it's not something that the government, when you look at the federal budget, right, there's X number of dollars that the government has, um, is like disposable income. It can decide where it wants to do and it can cut it and do all of these things. Whereas with Medicare and Social Security, they can't. They have to give this amount of money uh, unless they enact grand reform okay 
I I don't know. I, I I still think an awful lot of people refer to things like welfare as 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 entitlements, and I I, I hate that term because they're not. That's I don't know. It it implies that there is an entitled uh, expectation of things like that, which is bullshit. Um, well, if they are, then they're just using it wrong. So I mean, I can't defend that or really even go into it. Like that's just not the proper use of the term. So if enough. they are, then they're just wrong to be doing that. Um, right. But I think that he's dead on with the way he talks about healthcare. Um, you know, she, while she does acknowledge some of the issues with Obamacare, she doesn't properly tackle how to fix it. Um, he is much, his ideas are much better than hers in regards to colleges uh, and how to tackle the issues of rising tuition. She says nothing about cutting the corporate tax rate, which I think is huge and incredibly necessary. So, yeah, that much, that much I'll give you. Um, he's also really young, really young. That would, that, that would concern me. Um, yeah, he, I believe he would be the youngest president, but I'm not sure how, how old was Kennedy? Uh, I don't remember he was when he was elected somewhere around there, but I don't remember exactly. Uh, yeah. I, I, I don't know. Um, I want to say he was in that range, but I don't know. He's really young and he's never been elected. I couldn't find where he's been elected to anything. I don't think he has been. And that I, I, I don't know, but he's been, I mean, I know he's been around government, but where he's actually had to run anything. Uh, again, I mean, unless there's a student council election that I'm missing, uh, no, he's, he's a policy yeah. walk. That um, was his, that's his, that's his big claim to knowledge yeah. of the system. What, what, what is the house? What, what is the house Republican, conference even do does that mean you work for the reps Uh, i i I think basically that's it he was an assistant in helping them to formulate their policies i think is the the basic gist does he know where they hid paul ryan's spine no everyone's still looking for that yeah still searching he Um, he got like a temporary (laughs) spine that (laughs) is is helping a little but it's not fully restored so he can only do CrossFit instead of PX90 or whatever. Yeah, exactly. It's really it's been, hurting it's with been, his hunting. It's been crippling. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, okay. You know, all, all fair. I, you know, again, I, I mean, I don't, I, I don't necessarily, I, I liked, I liked a lot of the way the guy talked. He, 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 he is not, there are things that, that are fundamental to me that I disagree with the guy on, uh, uh, gay marriage. I don't agree with him. Um, I don't agree with him on abortion, but at the same time, I think that he takes a better tack towards some of the other things, uh, that other Republicans often miss out on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like that he, he, in some ways he is a by, by the numbers conservative, but he is more the kind of person where that I would at least have been willing to listen to and consider. Uh, now whether or not, again, whether or not that ever would have been a real choice for me, we'll never know because I am voting for anybody but Hillary Clinton in this election, because I don't want to take any chances at anybody that Donald Trump is going to do anything. Um, but you know, I mean, it's, he, he is at least more of an interesting character and, and also his tone is completely different. He's much more positive. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, he's, he's much more, uh, about legitimately trying to work with people. Um, he talks about that a lot and I think that's, that's good. That's the kind of language that I can, that I, that I, I, I like to hear. I hope to hear. 
I haven't heard out of any Republicans in years with the exception of John Kasich. So, you know, uh, um, I, 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 I look at Evan McMullen and I go, well, yeah, it would have been nice, but you know, it is what it is. Now there is one area, one area with him that I, I, I have to question my own current beliefs. Um, and, and I mean, maybe this can segue us into, into Russia and, and NATO and such. Um, when he talks about America in the world, um, he stresses the damage that Obama has done. Uh, oh, for God's sake. Oh, okay. So that's my, my reaction as well. Right. But am I being biased? Because I do, I, I have generally agreed with president Obama, right. With the, with the, with the various decisions that he has made, I have to, when I have to look at them and honestly think about what would I have done? I feel like I would have done a lot of the same things, right? That said, look at the world. We have North Korea on the verge of having nuclear weapons. We have the Philippines declaring as separating from the United States and siding with China. We have Russia gaining a stronghold in Syria, which is still a disaster area. We have seen the rise of ISIS. The world don't look that good. No. And, so, and we're going to, we're going to talk about that. But my, my question is what was the, so whenever people go on, on this, what was the solution? Because like you listen to the way that Trump talk, tells it. And honestly, the way that ever, because that's the thing I didn't hear. And I can say this from a certain amount of, of, of knowledge, because I watched all but one of the Republican debates throughout the entire never ending Republican primary season. Uh, and I did not hear one set of solutions. I heard a lot of what we can do now. I didn't hear a lot of what they would have done differently. I didn't, I didn't hear any of what they would have done differently. And what I heard a lot of was, we're so weak. So my question that I put to those people is, what else would you have done, Chris Christie? Remove the fried chicken from your mouth and tell me what else you would have done. Would you have put boots on the ground in Crimea? Would you have sent our soldiers in there? Would you have sent our soldiers into Libya, Syria? Would you have not backed the Arab Spring? Would you have bombed North Korea back to the Stone Age by now? Would you have engaged Putin directly in, in, in some kind of armed conflict? Would you have rolled those dice and done that? Coming off of everything that we went through in Iraq, legitimately look me in the eye and tell me that you would have sent American troops, a full-on American force, and started a war in any one of these situations. Hey, I, this same argument I make, right? Like, I mean, as I, as I said, I look at all the situations that, that Obama has been in and I can't say with any amount of honesty, well, you should have done this instead or you should have done that instead. Um, the way the that I only... look at it is that the lot that in the last eight years, a lot of shit's gone down and a lot of what's gone on in the Middle East is a direct result of us invading Iraq in the first place and dealing with the repercussions of that decision. And navigating that the repercussions of that decision, which were far-reaching, and navigating them without, at a minimal cost, in American lives, and so as to not have a directly implicated attack on American soil. And thus far, 
with the exception of if you count the embassy in Benghazi, which I know technically embassies are, are American soil, but within American borders, there has not been a verified honest to God attack. Mm-hmm. Fingers crossed, knock wood, please God up to now. And, and that's it. That's that, that, that to me is the bottom line. And I think that it would have been very difficult to navigate all of these things that were not within a lot of which were not within Obama's control. Putin is an X factor and is scary as hell and figuring out what he's going to do. He has been on a power trip for years. Uh, Kim Jong-un is nuts. Gaddafi had been nuts for years. And if somebody had said 10, 15 years ago, we got a way to get rid of Gaddafi. A lot of people would have taken it. Uh, and how could you not try to support the Arab Spring and hope that that was going to bear better fruit than it did? Well, and the other thing to keep in mind with all of that is a lot of times when people talk about we, you know, we should have done this or should have done that, we should have allowed this to happen. What what are they saying that we should have somehow suppressed the people in Egypt when they were rising up? Yeah. That we should have suppressed the people in Libya. We Obama didn't go diving into Libya to let's you know everybody in. Let's stop them. You know he he offered some support, but he didn't throw boots on the ground to overthrow Gaddafi. Um, so I yeah all right. Well then then you have reassured me because I, I I was wondering if I was just being biased because I I agree with Obama. Uh, on most of his tactics. Uh, the only place that I, I disagree with, and I've, I, I think I've fairly consistently disagreed, is that there is a need, a humanitarian need, to establish safe zones. I, I think this is necessary, and I think that's necessary with American troops. I, 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 and I think I've said that consistently, that we need it, that we have needed to do that and should have done it a long time ago. And at this point, because we didn't, it is far trickier to do it because of how intertwined Russia is now in Syria. Yeah, and the same thing with the no-fly zone. Yeah, I, you know. I, now that's really hard. Yeah, Two years ago, it wouldn't have been. Now it's gruesome, and I don't really know exactly how we could go about doing it. It's tough. It is no, no doubt. It is. It is. It is going to be tough. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, I don't know. That's, that is, that is, as they say, a sticky wicket, uh, but we will get to, uh, Syria and Russia in due course very shortly. Uh, the, uh, uh, the, the, the thing we do them everywhere. Round of applause. Who you got? Donald Trump receives my round of applause for this week. Uh, I have constantly, this should be great. <laughs> lambasted his lack of clear policy proposals and feel obligated to give him my round of applause when he finally comes through with some clear policy proposals. Um, he has come out with a proposal for term limits on Congress, which I know you would agree with as well. As well I did as see that actually, I, I saw that. Yeah. Uh huh. As well as a five point ethics plan to address government officials going on to become lobbyists. I fully support these policies and give him my round of applause for proposing them. I did not see that coming. Hey, but, okay, good call on the term. Fair limits, and balanced, mother. Fair <laughs> and balanced. You're absolutely right. That's a, that's the <laughs> that's the 
That's what I'm going to put on my Twitter page from here on out. Fair and balanced, motherfucker. <laughs> and I'll put it on our website. Hell, yeah. That that's there you go. go and yeah, that'll be our description from here on out. Yeah, no, that's uh, hey, look, that's fair. The term limits thing. I I did see that proposal and that one. That one I'll I'll give him. It's a great idea, and it uh, and it should have happened years ago. Frankly, um, it would solve a lot of the crap that we've got going. Yeah, on. it would. Because uh, so much of, of this of settling old scores and and you know what. Uh, three of the people that drive me insane, one of whom is going to be gone after this year anyway, but three of the people that drive me just absolutely nuts in American politics wouldn't be there anymore. And those are Paul Ryan, Mitch McConnell, and Harry Reid. But, you know. Nancy Pelosi? You're not going to throw her in there? No, uh, Pelosi. Okay, yeah, you're right. I forgot about Nancy. Yeah, yeah. she kind of drives me nuts, too. Um, and Ryan, Ryan, I... I... I made a lot of jokes no, about Ryan's Ryan. fine. No, I'm, I, he I'm, does I'm, not drive me nuts. I am deeply disappointed in him for uh, his lack of standing up against Trump. And I, I disagree with some of his rhetoric against Obama. And I strongly disagree with this idea that we have to have Republicans in control of everything in order to get anything done. Um, but I, he, he's a policy guy, and I appreciate his, his efforts to put forth a clear and concise agenda for the American people. No, it doesn't matter that he's a policy guy. None of this matters anymore from any of these people. And this is why they're Reince Priebus, Mitch McConnell, Paul Ryan, every single one of them deserves to leave public life and be shunned by everyone that has ever dealt with them because they do not have the balls to get up and say, no, this rigged election stuff is nonsense. And he needs to stop, and he will accept it, and that's the end of it. Not a single one of them. Ever, all these other people, there's Republican governors, Republican secretaries of state, John McCain, have come out and said, no, this is ridiculous. And those three right there are sneaking around being the sneaky, dirty, weasel buttholes I've always known they were. All they have done is expose themselves for being jackasses. And I will, oh my God, I am done with those three. I'm done. And Ryan, I've been trying to give the guy the benefit of the doubt since he, since he became speaker. No, at this point, he may, might even be worse to me than, than Boehner. He's, he, he, he's gone. I, I, I'm not saying anything positive about the guy again. He could bring Elvis back to life and it wouldn't be enough. Fair and balanced, mother. <laughs> I have been I have been trying to be fair and balanced, motherfucker, against with Paul Ryan. You've heard me say nice things about the guy, but that's a line that if you are if you call yourself a leader in this country, then you stand up for the processes that have gotten us this far as a republic. And this is one of them, and they're not standing up for it, and that's it. Period. They're no better than Trump. Any any of them, they're not. So. Anyway, my round of applause goes to Chris Wallace. Because, again, like I said earlier, corralling these two in these debates has been practically impossible. And the guy, uh, you know, again, I've I've been impressed, really impressed with some people from Fox News lately. Megyn Kelly's done a great job in some of this stuff. Uh, And now Chris Wallace just, you know, was, was the kind of stalwart news voice that you want doing this kind of thing. I, I was thinking of people like Tom Brokaw and Dan Rather and, uh, uh, you know, um, and, and all of those guys, uh, you know, while I was watching it, I thought he just did an amazing job. And I was really impressed with him on the whole. I mean, there, there were a couple of little minor missteps in there. You were right about the, the question. And then I think he did, he did let Hillary skate in one case. Um, he let 
Trump skate in a couple of places too. But, you know, again, it's not his job to, to fact check every, every little thing. That's the, their opponent's job. And I thought he really did a great job. I firmly agree. I, I of all the moderators that, and this is not a, a, in any way, shape or form meant to insult Anderson Cooper or Lester Holt or, and the, the other person who, who was, was with Anderson. Uh, but I, I do think Chris Wallace, Martha Raddatz, Martha Raddatz. I, I do think that Chris Wallace just did an outstanding job. Yeah, yeah, we needed we 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 needed that sort of that sort of showing I think from a debate person mm-hmm. and he gave it to us. So thumbs up on him. Uh my WTF actually goes to both Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton for not shaking freaking hands. Be adults. I know we all know that you two hate each other. Everyone knows this. And you know what? Based on what each one has said about the other, you probably got a right to hate each other. That's perfectly fine. I'm pretty sure from everything I've read, Barack Obama and Mitt Romney really didn't like each other very much. I'm fairly certain John McCain and Barack Obama didn't like each other very much. Bush, Kerry, Bush, Gore, Clinton, Dole, Clinton, Bush. Going all the way back, all of these people, when they got in front of the American people, they put all that aside, they shook hands, and they wished the other well. And you know what? That, that's this lack of civility that is just completely gone from everything, not only that's in our politics, but in everything that we're doing. You have to hate people that disagree with you. If you're hollering and saying terrible things about someone to someone, you can't say, you know what, you shouldn't talk like that because if you do, then you're just trying to get everybody to be politically correct. There's a lack of civility in this country and the people running for president should embody that. Suck it up and shake hands, people. That was childish and ridiculous. Well, I I must have missed this. So, what at the beginning or at the end? Was there some was there some sort of clear refusal? Like they just didn't even acknowledge each other. Frankly, wow, I couldn't even tell that they nodded at each other. Wow, yeah, it was it was embarrassing. That that's the first you're the first person I've heard comment on that. And also, WTF two. All of the news coverage that I saw last night, other than MSNBC, of all the news coverage that I watched, and I did watch Fox for a few minutes, the only news station to mention the fact that while all of this was going on, even the candidates and even the moderator didn't mention the fact that while all this is going on, we have people going into battle right now in Iraq. We had them in battle last night. They're probably in battle right now. And no one at least mentioned that we were thinking about them. And we are. And MSC and Macy was the only one that even acknowledged it. Wow. Well, yeah. Round of applause to them for all for all this talk. You're right. That is uh, a little disgraceful on my behalf as well that we haven't been keeping them in our, our thoughts and prayers. So absolutely our thoughts and prayers go out to all of our, our soldiers. And not, not only ours, but all the, the Kurdish soldiers and Iraqi soldiers and um, mm-hmm. even Iranian soldiers Word. who are currently fighting to stand up against ISIS. We greatly appreciate their efforts. Damn right. Who's your WTF? Uh, man, I'll give it to Duterte, uh, the president of the Philippines, uh, who has reversed uh, a long-standing alliance between the Philippines and and America, uh, announcing a, a separation from the United States uh, in favor of China. Um, this is the reason why you don't elect people like Trump. I'll say it <laughs> uh, because they do crap like this. Uh, this is exactly the sort of thing that Trump could do if he became elected without ever having to run a thing by Congress. So um, take note, America. Yeah, because like like you asked about you. Actually, you mentioned you mentioned that when we were talking about what, you know, 
uh, you know, the world's not a great place. And you're right. This is a longstanding thing. It's gone. But how does Obama have any control over that? How, how does he fight that? The Philippines, the Filipinos elected a crazy person. The guy is nuts. I mean, everybody knows he's nuts. I mean, this is the guy that's been on the news for, you know, running around giving profanity laden rants as speeches and talking about actually having murdered people during his speeches, personally murdered people. He's insane. And I mean, what do you do as a president? You I mean, you, in some cases, you just got to roll with it as best you can, right? Yeah. I, I mean, I guess the response would be that Obama's lack of strength, uh, in the world has led people to seek other alliances. Uh, but I, I, I tend to agree with you that this is just a crazy person doing something crazy. Uh, I, I, I don't see where, I mean, the United States has multiple bases in the Philippines. I, I don't see how we have failed to stand by them uh, when it comes to the South China sea or other such places. Yeah. And what happens to those bases now? Do we just, Pack up and go home. Be like, mm-hmm. peace. Later, gangsta. Now, I will say we're, you know, this is not Obama's fault because Obama has been pushing TPP. But I think you can lay some of the blame on Congress uh, for their and on our two major candidates for the presidency for their lack of support of the TPP. Uh, and this is the entire reason why Obama has been stressing a pivot to Asia is an attempt to uh, fight against China's rising economic power in the area, as well as Russia's rising power in the area. Uh, and we have to formalize trade relations with all of these countries uh, so that they will be turning to the United States and not to China. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. That's totally fair. So, all right, let's talk for a second about NATO. NATO, Russia, Syria, you're right. There's a lot of there's a lot of shady stuff going on in the world right now. There's no getting around that. And a lot of the things that have gotten covered, at least by Trump, has been NATO. And our obligations to our NATO allies, North Atlantic, North Atlantic Treaty Organization, this was formed as a direct response to the Soviet Union post-World War II as part of the Cold War. That's the deal. And there is a... Uh, basically a, a, an all-for-one, one-for-all sort of pact where an attack on one is an attack on the whole of NATO, which it's been invoked once. That was after 9-11. Uh, it is a basic tenet, of, has, has been a basic tenet of our foreign policy ever since World War II, these alliances. And there is no doubt the United States contributes quite a bit of the force to go along with NATO. One of the things the LA Times pointed out was that five years ago, Hillary Clinton reached a diplomatic, another diplomatic agreement with uh, Japan, which was a deal obligating that they continue paying $2 billion a year to help defray the cost of U.S. troops stationed on its territory. So this idea that we get nothing out of this, the more I read about it, is a little bit overblown from what I'm seeing. Does that jive with you and what you've seen? Yes, I, I, that jives with what, from the research that I've done, this idea that countries that we are engaged with do not put any money towards us being there or assisting us, uh, I, I don't see that. You know, whether it's um, in Japan where we receive free land and free services, 
or in other countries like South Korea where they're directly paying for parts of the cost, uh, they 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 do supply this. Uh, and we have to remember that we're not, as as McMullen puts it, we're not some sort of mercenary army for hire. You know, where we are working to build a stable global world um, for our own, our own benefit as much as for anybody else's. And this is done through long-term partnerships. Uh, it's not a pay-to-play sort of situation where you give us money and we send you troops. Yeah, yeah. And it's not, it's just, it's just not that cut and dried. And a lot of it has to do, a lot of it has to do with Russia. That's the thing is that, like I said, this was formed initially in response to Russian aggression post-World War II. And it was a major part of the Cold War. And the idea now that you've got Russia strengthening itself in a lot of ways, or at least trying to flex its muscle much more so now than it was, say, 10 years ago. Uh, the idea that you would suddenly mothball NATO to a certain extent, or try to go in and try to muscle people into quote paying more when they're not paying their fair share, as people love to say, is a little just stupid to me. I mean, I I don't know. It it doesn't. It just seems really dumb to do that at the at this stage of the game. Well, there there's two ways of looking at this, right? So there there's two aspects to this. One is the idea that the NATO our NATO partners don't pay enough for the upkeep of NATO in general, right? Uh, you know, the NATO offices, the NATO troops, the NATO uh, uh, officers, they're not paying their fair share of that, right? The basic NATO administration. That is not the case, right? Uh, you can you can go and you can see clearly where they pay a reasonable percentage uh, of that upkeep. Um but there is a very clear problem that multiple administrations at this point are, have acknowledged that every country is supposed to spend X number of dollars, X percentage of their GDP on building up their own military, right? So we're, we're not talking about the NATO administration itself. We're talking about that country's own military. They're supposed to spend a certain percentage of their GDP on this. And that's where countries are not fulfilling their part of the bargain. So sure, NATO is huge and it is important, but NATO has teeth only the, because the United States has kept up its end of the bargain and then some. We are in no way, shape or form feeling more safe because we know that Poland is going to come to our rescue if someone attacks us. Poland, no. on the other hand, feels far safer because they know that the United States is obligated to defend them. And right. while I don't necessarily agree with, with Trump and, and his methods, at the same time, the more low-key diplomatic nudges for these countries to step up their game have not worked. So a lot like with Obama, where I can't necessarily say, well, you should have done this instead. I, I, I don't necessarily agree with the way Trump did it, but he, 
he has a very valid point, especially now. In that one, in that one circumstance, I might give you that, but that's also, but it's also, and this is, an, I'm going to give you a direct quote. This is from a guy who's a, a former Pentagon official, and he's vice president of the Atlantic Council now. Uh, we gain the most out of these alliances because it helps keep threats further from our shores than they otherwise would be. Meaning, I think to a certain extent that if our enemies are sort of trying to deal with the fact that we're over there and engaging us there, then they're not trying to engage us here. And that's a good thing. And that, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, and again, there are times when you want to rock the boat and try to figure these things out in times when maybe it's not the right, maybe this isn't the time to necessarily be revisiting that. And I sort of feel like when you've got all of this crap going on, as you said, the world is a scary place and it's a lot scarier now than it was. Now is when you need your allies the most. So why you pick now to go around and try to start picking fights and getting people to pay more? Because you can't say that just because they're not contributing, the NATO has, you can say that, yeah, okay, NATO has teeth because mostly because of our military, but there, there is a lot of other bene, beneficial aspects to these relationships. And fraying them when things are so uncertain in other places just doesn't seem wise to me. And, and I think that's a fair point. I mean, a, a, absolutely. Right. NATO now more than ever needs to appear strong. Absolutely. Um, but Trump still has a point. Well, fair enough. I, I'm not saying he doesn't necessarily have a point. I'm just saying that now is probably not. the. I don't think now is the time to be making that point. Well, now is definitely the time for these fools to be putting more money into their military. You know, I mean, the stronger the Russia gets, the stronger that NATO needs to be, which one, yes, absolutely means we need to be affirming over and over again that we will stand by our allies. But those allies need to be building up their own armies as they have been promising to do since NATO was founded. Totally fair. Why is this a big deal now? Well, this was a headline from CNN Last week, Russia, U.S. moved past Cold War to unpredictable confrontation. The byline was it's not a new Cold War. It's not even a deep chill. It's an outright conflict. This is a conflict. There should be no doubt. This is from uh, Matthew Rajansky. He's a director of the Keenan Institute at the Wilson Center uh, on the current state of U.S.-Russia relationships. Again, let me restate that. This is a conflict. There should be no doubt. I, this is not good. And a lot of this has to do to me with Syria because Syria looks to me more and more to be almost a proxy war with them, them backing Assad and us backing the rebels in a manner that is at least in some ways similar to Vietnam. Am I wrong about that? I, I don't think so. I, I, th I think that's accurate that this, is, that this has certainly turned into a proxy war. Do I think it's as clearly defined as the, you know, Vietnam or Korea? No, absolutely not. Uh, but it has definitely evolved fairly recently into that, where Russia has come out clear on the side of Assad and we've come out on the side of the rebels. Now, there's a lot of intermix in there uh, and confusion, but I, I think that that is, that is becoming the case. Yeah, and I, I do think, and let me be clear, the one thing that I do believe is uh, I believe that Donald Trump is being played. I don't think Donald Trump is doing, I think Donald Trump loves it when his ego is stroked and he doesn't give a flying shit where that stroking comes from. And I think that Putin knows that. 
And I think that I do believe that there is a lot to be said for the fact that I think Putin would rather deal with Trump than he would to deal with Clinton, which is why he's making all these moves now, because I do think to a certain extent that Obama underestimated him and didn't think that he would make all these pushes that he's done. But now it's not Obama's Obama doesn't necessarily can't really do a whole lot about it right at this second. So Russia is in a certain to a certain extent again, and this is my opinion only doing something very similar to what uh, North Korea does. North Korea generally jumps up on top of the mountain and pulls out its dick right before a U.S. election to show some muscle. Look at us. And I think that's what Putin's doing now. And I do think that he's trying to exert some 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 influence over the election because we look influenceable, frankly. We've well, had people, I, I, yeah. we've had an entire party of people for the last year telling the entire, telling a giant portion of the American population how horrible America is. Mm-hmm. And I think, and I think that that, that was the irresponsibility of everyone on those stages during the Republican primaries. It is the irresponsibility of Donald Trump. And I think Putin saw it as an opening and he's trying to take advantage of it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think, I don't think that's, I don't think you can even argue with that. I mean, that, I mean, the it's not the RNC that Putin has been working to hack. It's not. Uh, you know, Julian Assange, who is, has obvious, yeah, obvious ties with Russia. Um, you know, he's attacking no internet. Thanks to Ecuador. Yeah. Good job, Ecuador. Uh, yeah, they don't like, they don't like Trump either. Apparently, um, is, you know, obviously anti Clinton. Uh, so no, I, I think you're, I think you're spot on with that. Well, Okay. Should we yeah. keep going? <laughs> well, the big, well, and here's the thing, though. Trump does have a clear difference, and I'm not not entirely certain that I I, I disagree with him. Uh, you know, there's a lot of lines that need to be drawn. It is the line that we want to draw that Assad must go now? That he cannot be involved with a transitional government? Which, from my understanding, is all that Russia is demanding, that Assad be a part of this of a, any form of Syrian transitional government. Is that really the line that we had to draw? I, I don't know. I'm not sure how I feel about that. Yeah, I don't know. Well, and you know what? It's entirely possible that Clinton will draw an entirely other line. I think that, you know, there have been because there have been. That's one other thing that's been made public by some of these is that a lot of these decisions that Obama, some of these decisions that Obama has made that the Republicans are questioning, there were some there were some disagreements between Obama and Clinton on how to handle it. Libya, for one, uh, there was there was apparently a behind the scenes split uh, over that that's been hinted. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think, I, I think that people are underestimating Clinton's ability to be her own person when they say that this will simply be another four years of Obama's policies overseas. I don't really think that's going to be the case. Yeah. Well, Clinton, and I don't think she's made any bones about it. And this is where a lot of, um, people on the left dislike her is she's definitely a little bit more hawkish than Obama is, um, and at this stage in the game, maybe that's a good thing. Uh, I'm not sure. Um, but I, I think she definitely does have a little bit more of a willingness to, to throw our troops into the mix than Obama does. Well, and I don't, I don't think she has any illusions about, about Putin. That's, that, that is one thing. I mean, because a lot of the statements that she made last night, she was not equivocating. She was being very strong and very specific and very 
this is what's going on. And I'm not in, in a, in an, I'm not screwing around kind of tone. Um, so, well, she doesn't have any illusions know. at this point. You know, she tried, you know, we, we tried with the reset. Uh, and I, and I still, I stand by that. I don't think that that was a bad idea. I, I, I don't, don't, I, don't yeah. I don't think it was, uh, we gave it a shot. We tried to reset things. It didn't work. And, and she, she's learned, she's learned from that experience. Yeah. And it's not a mistake that'll get made again. That's for damn sure. No. Anything, anything further to add on NATO, Russia, Syria? Did we cover? No. I mean, and she is pro safe zones, right? That is something that she has said that she wants to do. And no fly zones. She wants that no fly zone right now. Yeah. Well, now she did say, I think she wants that yesterday, to be honest with you. Well, but she did say she was very clear about that. It can't be right now at this point, uh, because of the way that it, the situation is gone, as I said before, it's not possible for us to just go in and establish the no-fly zone. Uh, it's going to take some intense negotiations with the Russians uh, because we don't want to be in the position of having to choose whether or not to shoot down the Russian plane that violates the no-fly zone. Well, I don't know. We'll see. These are, these are interesting times we live in. I'm fascinated to see who her Secretary of State would be. The makeup of her cabinet potentially fascinates me I, because I don't I don't know who it's going to be. I hope so. she picks some Republicans in there. I hope that she has the I, I hope she's willing to do that. I'd be she, I'd be I'd be excited to see John McCain take over as secretary of state. But I don't think that I don't think I don't think she's going to do that. But no. uh, maybe Evan McMullen can find space no, on her cabinet. Know. That You know, that might be an interesting way for John to wrap himself up. It could get him out, you know, in four years and. End on an end on an interesting note. That'd be for damn sure. Yeah. So yeah. All right. Well, that's our show. Have you anything else to add? I do not. Take us out with something cool. Something cool on September 11th, 1886, Cornelius McGillicuddy, better known as Connie Mack, began his Major League Baseball career with the Washington Senators. 64 years later, at the end of the 1950 season, he retired as the manager of the Philadelphia A's. At the beginning of that same season, the 1950 season, Vin Scully started his career as the play-by-play announcer for the Brooklyn, Brooklyn Dodgers. And on October 2nd of this year, just two weeks ago, Vin Scully called his last game after 66 years on the mic. 2017 wow. will be the first season of professional baseball in 130 years, not to include either Connie Mack or Vin Scully. That is fascinating. End of an era. End of an era. Football, and it just you know, fo- football's great. I love football. Basketball is great. I love basketball. But in America, when it comes to history, you can't beat baseball. You just can't. really can't. All right, that's all we got for this week. Thank you so much for joining us. Be sure and check us out on Twitter. I'm at LibConMatt. Tim is at LibConTim. For heaven's sakes, please try to survive the last few weeks as we slogged at the end of this election. We'll talk to you next week. Take care.